Section number 8 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 20, March 16, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ryan Fahey, Fairfield, Connecticut. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 20, March 16, 1880. Section 8. Biddy O'Dolan by Mrs. Zadel B. Gustafson. Chapter 4. Little Katie Keegan had the blackest hair and eyes you ever saw, and she was very pretty, with color like the cream and red of the lady apples packed in tempting pyramids in the fruit stalls. She was the kind of girl who keeps you always expecting, without your knowing what it is you expect. Katie was very bright, quick as a dart in her motions, but as rough and sharp as a prickly briar if things didn't go to suit her. She had all the bad habits which friendless little children learn from living on the streets, with no one to care what they do or how they feel. She was saucy and bold, and used very bad words, and thought it smart to steal fruit and peanuts when she could, and she would tell a lie about her thefts, or indeed about anything else, as glibly as a toad swallows a fly. If you ever saw that done, you know that it is pretty swiftly done, and just as a toad, when it has swallowed a fly, looks as if it had never so much as heard of such an insect, so Katie, when she told a lie, would look straight at you and smile with an air of such innocence that you would find it hard to not believe her. These sad faults were Katie's misfortunes. She did not know how wrong they were. But you can see, if you think a moment, that such habits would be a great trouble in the way of her finding a home, because good people would not like to take a little child with such naughty ways into their homes, to be with their own dear children. Still, Katie's pretty face and bright mind, and the love she was so quick to give to anyone who was kind to her, made people feel like trying to see what they could do for her. Three times Mr. Kennedy placed Katie in good homes, in the care of noble people, who wished to help him in such work. In each instance, Katie had been loved, because she was so bright and sweet and lovable when she felt like being so. But her sudden fits of anger, and the strange and naughty things she would say and do, made her new friends feel anxious and troubled. Yet Katie had never been sent away from these homes. Perhaps she might have been, but she never waited for that. She ran away of her own accord each time, without saying a word about it, and nothing that Biddy or Mr. Kennedy could say could make Katie agree to go back when once she had run away. One day Miss Kennedy, who had thought a great deal about this willful child, said to her brother, Don't be discouraged about Katie. You and Biddy will save the dear little thing yet. But I do feel a little discouraged, said Mr. Kennedy. You see, she is so uncertain. She's tricky as a kitten, and you can never tell what she'll be at next. If the trouble only all came to us, you know, we would be glad to bear it, for there is something very dear about little Katie that pays for care and bother. But how can I go on asking our friends to put up with such a little harem scarum? And she will take things that don't belong to her, and she will deny it. I really don't know what to do. Biddy sat sewing, but she listened and looked very earnest. Miss Kennedy smiled. I've thought of something, Phil, said she. I think we have been making a mistake all along in fixing things too easy and pleasant for Katie. I think she needs to have a weight put on her. A weight? How do you mean? Well, I mean this. 
Katie is very loving, and she is more full of active, bounding life than anyone I ever saw. I don't think she wants to have things done for her. I think she wants to do things herself. I think she needs to feel that someone, in some real plain way, depends on her, needs her, so that she cannot do without her. I have seen feelings in Katie that make me think a weight of this kind would hold her. Mr. Kennedy looked pleased and sat some moments thinking. Then he asked, Well, sister, how will you find such a weight for Katie? I wouldn't like to have her bright wings too closely clipped. I've thought of that, Phil, and I've thought it would be well to let Biddy, Katie loves Biddy with all her warm little heart, to let Biddy coax her to go to Mrs. Rayner. Mrs. Rayner, cried Phil, I know you are thinking of such a madcap as Katie in Jenny Boehner's sick room, but that is just my reason. I've talked with Mrs. Rayner, and she is quite willing to try Katie, if we can only get her there to be tried. If there's anyone in this world who can tame Katie's wild humors and turn them to good uses, it is Mrs. Rayner. And Jenny needs someone to care for her all the time. Katie cannot help loving them, and between them, I think they will find a way to hold Katie till she grows to see what a little girl's life means. The very next day, Biddy went out to look for wayward Katie, for it was Katie's having run away again from her third home, which had led to this talk between Mr. Kennedy and his sister. Biddy found Katie sitting on some steps on Fulton Street, eating peanuts and tossing up the shells. She looked so happy that Biddy felt a new wonder about her. She remembered how she had longed for a home, and here was Katie liking nothing so well as to run about the streets and seeming to think home was a great bother. Suddenly a thought came to Biddy and made her say quickly as she reached Katie, "'Oh, Katie, did you ever have a doll?' "'Hello, that you?' said Katie. "'Want some peanuts?' "'No, I never had no doll. "'Don't want no doll. "'Seen lots of them. "'Think they're silly. "'Dolls is only pretendin'. "'Hello, catch em. "'And she tossed a handful of peanuts to Biddy. "'Biddy sat down on the steps by Katie "'and told her as kindly as she could "'that she wanted her to try once more to like a good home. "'She held a bit of Katie's skirt in her hand "'for fear Katie would run.' But she did not think Katie knew she had hold of her dress, till Katie said, No need to hold on to me. Ain't going to run. Oh, Katie, what have you done with your pretty shoes? exclaimed Biddy. Gove em to gal at wanted em. Likes to go barefoot, said Katie promptly. Then she turned her black eyes on Biddy with a queer, sharp look and said, Needn't ask no more questions. Shan't answer. After a little more talk, in which Katie insisted that she didn't think she could stay in a home, though she was willing to try, because she liked to see insides of houses, they started off together. The Rainers lived in a larger and more beautiful house than the Kennedys, and a well-behaved maid showed the children into a room which was so dark that Biddy and Katie could hardly see anything at first. Biddy felt Katie twitch at her hand as if she would dart off and rush out into the merry sunlight again. All the way upstairs, Katie had been making droll faces at the maid, who went on before them and mimicking her walk in the funniest manner. Biddy had not seemed to notice, though she had found it hard not to laugh right out at Katie's mischief. Now Biddy held fast to the little hand that wriggled in hers, and as their eyes grew used to the dimness, they saw a large bed with folds of lace hanging around, but drawn away at the sides, and in this bed lay the whitest little girl they had ever seen, with soft eyes looking at them kindly, and close to them was a tall, handsome lady. But what ailed Biddy? 
She looked at the white-faced child in the bed, and she looked at the lady. A flush came in Biddy's cheek, and her eyes opened so wide they were almost as round as marbles. It was the most puzzled little face Mrs. Rayner had ever seen. I expected you, and I'm very glad to see you, said she. In an instant, Biddy turned and threw her arms around Katie, who stared and looked as if she would cut, as she called it, when she ran away. Oh, Katie, Katie, said Biddy, with a queer little quick shake in her voice. It's the hospital lady and the hospital little girl that gave me the flowers. Jenny Rayner's eyes were getting to be as round as Biddy's had been. Oh, don't you remember the little bit of a girl that was run over and lay in the hospital on Christmas Day ever and ever so long ago, cried Biddy. Biddy stopped, as had always been her way when feeling became very strong. Mrs. Rayner made her sit down by the bed and then put out her hand to Katie, who stood so still in the center of the room. All the bright color had gone out of Katie's cheeks so that her black eyes looked darker than ever. She stayed just where she was, she put her hands down in her apron pockets, raising her small shoulders in doing so. She was the picture of a little elf that might vanish if anyone stirred. She looked at Biddy and said, Is that gal in the bed the hospital gal would guv you the flowers? Biddy said, Yes. What's matter of her? She has been sick a long time, said Mrs. Rayner. Stay in bed all time? asked Katie, still looking at Biddy. Oh yes, I shall never get up any more, said Jenny Rayner. "'Will you come up here close to me, little girl?' Katie came forward a little. "'Miss Kennedy says you like to run about a great deal,' said Jenny. "'I used to like that very much.' Katie came close to the bed. She took her hands out of her pockets. They were full of peanuts. She laid them on the bed and nodded to Biddy. "'I'll stay here,' said she. And Katie Keegan kept her word. She didn't get over her faults right off. She had a hard fight with them, but for the first time in her life, she tried hard to get rid of them, and soon showed she had great strength to do what she made up her mind to do. But Miss Kennedy was right. All Katie had needed was to be needed. This was her weight. She was the very best thing that could have been brought into Jenny Rayner's sad and shut-up life. Jenny was a good little girl, but no little child can be easily content and cheerful who cannot go out into the sunlight and enjoy the sweet full life of the birds and flowers, and the merry games with other little girls and boys. It is very hard for a child to lie always in bed and be shut out from all other children's lives. Now Katie Keegan was so wild, so merry, so constantly full and running over with bright ideas of how to get fun out of everything and anything, that she was a whole playground in her one little self. And she brought all this life into the room where Jenny lay, and made a new world for Jenny there. Katie was as good as a theater, for she imitated people and did it quite wonderfully, so that Jenny could tell just whom she meant, that is, if she had ever seen the person Katie was taking off. And Katie would show her all that she had seen or noticed on the street in just this way by imitating, so that Jenny seemed almost to make new acquaintances with people whom she had never really seen by means of Katie's droll mimicry. When Katie saw how all her pranks and fun made Jenny laugh and look so pleased, she took good care to find out some fresh thing to amuse her with whenever she went out. When Jenny Rayner gave the flowers to poor Biddy in the hospital so long ago, she could not know that the little kindness would come back to her a thousandfold through another little girl whom she had then never seen at all. Least of all would you imagine that an old, broken-armed doll 
fished out of an ash can, could be the means of doing so much good and leading to so much happiness in so many lives. For the good that began in these little things goes on and may reach into countless lives in time to come. Nothing stops and nothing stands quite apart by itself from other things. You will find this out and think of it more and more as you grow older. As for Biddy O'Dolan, she is quite a young woman now. Of course, she does not play with her doll anymore, but she keeps it. No money could buy it with that little wooden arm on it which Charlie made. She calls it her first friend, and I think it was a very good friend, don't you? The End End of Section 8